Mark, it's an 87th Precinct bonus episode. We're back to talk more about Sadie When She Died, or about our books and the various editions of this 87th Precinct story from 1972, which we just rated very highly on our main podcast, which you will have listened to at some point recently. So before we get into what is now going to be our bonus treat of looking at the stuff that went on in 1972, we'll have a look at our editions of the book that we've got. And we are, we're deep in uh, UK pan territory of these paperbacks. We've all got paperback editions. Mm-hmm. So we'll get that little bit out of the way before we talk about the original uh, cover designs for this. Steve-O, do you want to... Tell everyone what your and my copy of the book looks like. Well, this which one's this? This is the 1979 pan, I think. Yeah. It is. Well, it's a fairly naff cover, isn't it? It's like a, a blue thing <laughs> with a wrapped up knife, like dagger. Wrapped with, up like a Christmas present. Yeah. I think the blue thing is just the just background. The background isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but... It, a bit weird if you ask me quite uninspiring gift wrap dagger with a little bit of holly yeah yeah. it has got the shiny gold McBain uh, striped logo at the top which I do like it does how's the uh, side of yours looking Steve mine's completely faded again because yeah mine has yeah. because it comes from the collection once more of D. Llewellyn Hodge as several of the paperbacks <laughs> I've got to do D. Llewellyn Hodge yeah ex libris Mine cost £1.50. Oh, yours is the cheapest. £2. £2. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's not particularly inspired, these ones, are they? But uh, then there's Morgan's edition. Wow, yeah. here we go. Morgan's uh, once again got his uh, sexy books out. Oh, that, that's it. I've got the uh, 1992 Mandarin paperbacks edition. Yeah. Featuring a picture of a, a, a lady's foot in a, a stiletto heel. Bright red stiletto heel with a... A gold, gleaming gold ankle bracelet. It's, yeah. Um, I don't think ankle bracelets feature in the story at all, do they? No. It's, it bears no relation to the story, and it is, frankly, quite hideous. <laughs> it is, I, I yeah. mean, Kling does buy a bracelet for Cindy Forrest with a heart on it, but mm-hmm. I think it's just a bracelet. It's not an ankle bracelet. Mm. And he doesn't say, slip this on over your fishnets, love. He really doesn't. It's the kind of cover that is designed to make the book really embarrassing to read in public. I suppose then the the sniff test needs to be done, really. Someone needs to huff these books and there's only one man for the job. Oh, yeah. I'll do a personal huff on my own, of course. Ooh, quite nice, that. <laughs> that smells different. I quite like that one. Yeah, actually. yeah. Fairly positive. Ooh, my full of I think it's a, a, three, a three-way tie, that, on huffing. Oh, oh, excellent. I don't think we've ever had a three-way no, tie on, on these ones before. They're all nicely pungent in their own uh, way. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, that's nice, isn't it? That's, that's wonderful. Yeah, I feel, feel quite yeah, positive very, about that. Very yeah. good result. So. Uh, well, let's lead back to the original covers. In America, it's published in hardback by Doubleday still, and in Signet for the paperback edition in the UK it was originally Hamish Hamilton and the and Pan for the the soft cover version I like the US hardback one two fists with a knife I like that yeah what's going on with that one what the UK this is the UK hardback edition what's that in the background it looks like a blow up doll it does rather doesn't it not that I've seen a blow up doll but it's weird I think perhaps the suggestion there is that the Sadie Collins character was a sort of 
a bit of a sex addict mm. and that imagine puncturing a doll with a knife that's the effect of like he's di- trying to destroy this mm. this sex body yeah it's not very good is it not great it's a bit, bit of a lack of imagination on display dare I say it in some of these yeah the pit wax are pretty uninspiring aren't they yeah. US hardback's definitely the best of those four, I would say. The original US paperback, the Signet Edition, a sizzling new 87th Precinct mystery, it says, and then it's a sort of photographic image of a hand stabbing down through a lady lying on the floor in a dressing gown. Very literal to the book, really. Well... Except yeah. she wasn't destroyed by a massive hovering hand. <laughs> no. Mm. And the, yeah, the original Pan Edition was... It was literally a copy of her open diary and a knife with some blood on. Which is fine. It does the job, but... Yeah, it's... For such a good entry in the in the in the series, it's it's suffered rather. You just hasn't thought it? they could have dug just a little deeper to come up with something um, a bit more striking. <laughs> anyway, then that's that's the book covers. As usual, I will try and share those all. Well, I won't try. I will share those all <laughs> via our social media, particularly Instagram. So let's get back to 1972. Let's take you back to 1972 <laughs> and some of the music going on. Now, I know I try and make you guess what's normally happening, but the UK best-selling albums of 1972 is an interesting list. Mm. So, I mean, you could have a guess, if you wanted, of what the top ten UK best-selling albums were in 1972. Are you suggesting with this that we're not going to guess in a million years? I believe in you guys and your knowledge, but it's an odd one. It's not a chart I would have expected to see. Mm. The best of Roger Whittaker. Oh, if only... I think I've got the best of Roger Whittaker. Well, you're one of 40 million people to have bought it in the year 1972. <laughs> you see, you've thrown me now, I have no idea what to I go know, for. I've shown, you know, doubt in your mind over what you would expect from these things. I mean, there's a couple of names that have been on the, the, the recent lists anyway. So, you know, there may be something you could guess at. Duh. Stumped already. Yeah. yeah, pathetic, isn't it? You've put us off guessing. I know, well... I'll, I'll run through them. And, Dozy D. Dozy D. Dozy D. Dave D. Dozy. I think they'd be gone by this stage, yeah, wouldn't they? they well, I know that. Sadly. Well, number one, best-selling album of 1972. The best of Andy Williams. Was released by the record label KTEL. If that gives you any clues. Wombles. No. No. Oh. <laughs> KTEL were famous basically for compilations. compilations. This yeah. is the KTEL era we're getting into. Oh, heck. So the number one best-selling album of 1972 was 20 Dynamic Hits by Various Artists. Oh, how exciting. <laughs> but wait, at number two in the UK album charts is 20 All-Time Greats of the 50s by Various Artists. Uh. At number three, Greatest Hits by Simon and Garfunkel. All right. All right, yeah. So... Bridge over troubled water having yeah. been recently. Then number four, never a dull moment by Rod Stewart. Indeed. At yeah. number five, twenty fantastic hits by various artists. Bloody hell! Everyone had gone mad for compilations in 1972. Wow, weird. But Simon and Garfunkel are still in the chart in the next position with Bridge over troubled water. Wow. Number seven is an album by. What was a mod band, but then became a glam rock band? Um, Slade? Duh, yes, yep. Slade. Uh, which one's that going to be? Not Slade in Flame. No. Uh, Sladeist? No. 
Slade Alive. Slade Alive. Hey. There we go. <coughs> Number eight was occupied by Fog on the Tyne, the album by Lindisfarne. Lindisfarne, yeah. Number nine was 25 Rockin' and Rollin' <sighs> Greats by various artists. I guess, yeah, the 50s revival was like, probably kicking, kicking in, in at that stage, yeah. And at number 10, American Pie by Don McLean. Mm-hmm. That'll probably be in the charts now forever. I don't these things. yeah. So, I mean, those, so many mm. of those. I had a quick look through some of the listings for those KTEL records and some of the other ones. And like the 20 Dynamic Hits, which was the number one album, opened with Hold Your Head Up by Argent. Oh, God. Hold your head up. <laughs> yeah, another one. Oh, yeah. is that? Yeah. Then runs down with stuff from The Fortunes, Fireball by Deep Purple. Ooh, it is dynamic. Daniel Gerard with Butterfly. Oh. Um, Ronnie Dyson, I don't know that. Scylla Black with Something Tells Me Something's Going to Happen Tonight. Something tells me something's going to happen tonight. Yep. Okay, no. <laughs> Redbone. Yes. Um, oh, what did they do? The Witch Queen of New Orleans. Yeah. Excellent. The Move. Solo Colin Blunston of the Zombies Ooh. song. Think something by the Congregation. Some Hurricane Smith. Deep Purple again with wow. Black Knight. Christie, Sly and the Family Stone, Santana, New World, Fame and Price, Blue Mink, Hurricane Smith, Blood, Sweat and Tears. It's that sort of stuff. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And then the other one's more of slightly more poppy one, I think. And then mm. it's just weird. <laughs> that was what was going on in the UK when we were becoming obsessed with compilations. Oh dear. I mean, obviously the singles in America of the week this was copyrighted for. Anyway, that was August in 1972. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not entirely sure you'd pick any of these <laughs> out, out if you were guessing who might have been in the singles chart. No. Want a, want a quick stab? He didn't write Pirates of Penzance. Gilbert, Gilbert O'Sullivan. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Gilbert O'Sullivan. Oh, Sullivan. Which one's that going to be? Um, Alone Again, Naturally? It was number one. Oh, there we go. There's a cheery song. Yeah. Followed by Brandy, You're a Fine Girl by oh, Looking yeah. Glass. Indeed. As recently popularised in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yes, it would have been, yeah. And then, If Loving You Is Wrong, I Don't Want To Be Right, <laughs> by Luther Ingram. God. Classics, classics all. My, well, my, this is my favourite one that I came across today. I've never heard this before, but if you two both go, oh yeah, I'll be surprised. <laughs> it's called Daddy, Don't You Walk So Fast, by Wayne Newton. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't ring a bell. It's a song about someone, it's like a sort of, it could be a Glen Campbell country ballad, mm. and he would have done a much better version from what I've seen. Wayne Newton was this sort of megastar, smooth performer. Mm. Lovely moustache. But this song is about a guy walking away from his wife, but as he walks away, his daughter runs after him saying, Daddy, don't you walk so fast? Sounds like a real tearjerker. It's atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where is the Love by Rob- uh, Roberta Flack and Donny Hathaway. Oh, yeah. Then a, a Holly's song from 1972. Oh, the air that I breathe? No, no, not too early. Um, Long Cool Woman in a Black Dress. Long Cool Woman in a Black Dress. Then I'm Still in Love With You by Al Green. Oh, yeah. Too Late to Turn Back Now by Cornelius Brothers and Sister Rose. Oh, didn't ring a bell. Another favourite I discovered on this list. I do sometimes listen to these <laughs> things rather than just take the piss out of them. Is <laughs> a thing called How Do You Do by Mouth and McNeil. <laughs> <laughs> Um, unsurprisingly, they're a Dutch pop duo. Great. I say unsurprisingly. I don't know why I say it unsurprisingly. <laughs> but it is a proper weird thing. A couple of harmony guitar parts. 
weird male female vocal dynamic. It's it's no Una Paloma Blanca, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Number ten though, you will know. It's Schools Out by Alice Cooper. Ah, now we're talking. Yeah, that's probably the only one Ronnie that's had a, a real lasting impact mm. in in anyone's imagination. I'd have thought. So yeah, interesting times these early seventies oh, yeah. period. There's no there's no one style of thing dominating, is there? Really? No, that's true. Mishmash. It's a bit all over the place. Yeah. Oh dear, we better get into film and TV. Oof. There's two. Carry On Films, oh 1972. I feel like we've run out of all the ones that I know as well by this stage. Uh, uh, carry On Up That Hill. <laughs> and carry On Running Up That Hill. The Kate Bush one. Carry On <laughs> Suitcase, I don't know. Carry On... Up The Kyber. No. Carry On Scraping The Barrel. Yeah. Well, carry On Pirates. Was the one called Carry that? On Pirates. No, <laughs> that, that would have been good. Car- Carry on. Um, Let me put you out of your misery before. Go on then, yeah. And everyone else. Carry on abroad, which is an oh, awful yeah, yeah. sort of the notion of, of cheap flights yeah. and oh, holidays right. to Spain coming into yeah, the UK. Yeah. Holidays would just be started. Yeah. Kind of then. It's a, yeah. And Carry on Matron, which is ostensibly a remake of Carry on Nurse, but with like a sort of heist story stuck in it oh. as well. With Kenneth Cope, I think, is in that one. But in terms of films in America, so... Uh, well, no, let's let's stick in the UK a second. Let's do a bit of Hammer Horror, which has become I a... Can, a I know one, but for one billion percent. Because it's been Dracula, on. AD 1972. <laughs> yes. But were they bluffing? No, they were not. <laughs> Boom! Yeah. Dracula, AD 1972. What a classic. This, I mean, they What's did quite it? a few films that year, Hammer Productions, but the horror ones were basically that one. Fear in the Night and Demons of the Mind, which are a more psychological mm. horror type of yeah. thing. And was there an On the Buses? I'm not even going to talk about On the Buses. Yeah, anymore. The, the, it's so the, disgusting. The, the, the most, the most on the buses. The most horrifying films in the Hammer. Yeah, <laughs> I think Mutiny on the Buses was that year as well. Yeah. Oh, gosh. My concern is that if we mention On the Buses too much, someone who's never seen it in, say, I don't know, Canada, or Australia, or Japan, or something, go and look it up, and then we'll have spread that, that oh, disease yeah. across the world. Sorry, don't look up on the buses. No, please don't. Certainly not the TV series, which is grotesque. <laughs> grotesque. But yeah, America, like in terms of films. Now, what we, I must clarify, when we say we're talking about Carry On and Hammer Horror, we're sort of saying that for silly reasons. We're not suggesting that those are the top British films <laughs> by any means. Although they obviously were. Probably were. <laughs> perhaps the top... The Wicker Man, was that 1972? I don't think so, but I might, I might be wrong. I don't know, actually. You check. I think it might be a bit later than that. But in America, we've got The Godfather, basically, yeah. dominating. Yeah, well, mentioned uh, that earlier. As we mentioned in the uh, other podcast, I suggested that, that The Godfather might have had some influence on Evan Hunter writing Every Little Crook and Nanny. Hmm. As the Poseidon Adventure was one of the big hmm. films of that year as well. Oh, cracking, yeah. How many more lives? Wicker Man was 1973. Oh, remember oh, that for next time. Excellent, yeah. And What's Up, Doc? was another one of the oh, big films yeah. that year. Um, was I'm just trying to think, because there were, there were signs of a, a 50s revival in pop. Are we around American graffiti time? Mm. That might have been the year before. It might have now been. I like say, now I think about it, but I don't know. Could have been. It's, I was playing the American graffiti soundtrack in the car not long ago, which I do like, except it's got a few weird sort of later recorded versions of uh, 50s yeah. songs in it. It's, but generally all right. Yeah, were you playing it in the car whilst sort of drag racing down Main Street? 
No, I was going through some very small country lanes in in uh, Cumbria, in fact. The best thing was that as we were going over this tiny, tiny, tiny little thing right across the top of one of these hills in Cumbria, we had to go very slowly because there's lots of sheep in the fields and there's no fences. Mm. And we, we had to go, to go at an absolute crawl because there was sheep right up against the on the road and sort yeah. of going on and off. And at that point, I had the window down and the Beach Boys started with ba 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 baran. And oh, I laughed. I mean, they don't sing it like that, but you know, laugh needed to do that for the joke, I think. So, some things on TV anyway. I mean, it's a MASH starts in America. Oh, yeah. Still being shown on TV here today, and I'm sure in America as well. When did Van der Valk start in 1972? Van der Valk started in 1972. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, so you're a big fan of Van der Valk now, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, I am, yeah. It's good. So that's all about a uh, Dutch policeman. Dutch, yeah, reasonably grumpy Dutch detective. <laughs> yeah. That's everything you want, really, in a detective, yeah. isn't it? that's good. With Barry Foster. Yep. Did I say the Waltons? That was started in America the as well. Waltons, oh, right. oh my God. Okay. That was on all through our childhood <laughs> in the UK as well. Who used to watch the Waltons on a Sunday lunchtime when you were waiting for the shout that to lunch was ready and you like the Walton or was it Saturday lunch I don't know one of those and it was always really de- really depressing I don't think I've ever seen a single episode even no, though it's been on forever well, you, you grew up like the Waltons <laughs> in the countryside awful, uh, awful. but one uh, I wanted to mention I found from 1972 was an American TV show called Me and the Chimp Sounds good. Me and the I'm chimp. I'm sold already. Yeah, I think you can guess what happens in this programme. <laughs> Someone ends up living with a chimp that's retired from the space programme. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> that's a, I, that I sounds can, amazing. Just imagine the meeting where they agreed to make the show. <laughs> oh, superb. Oh, yeah, I don't know what... A precursor to the uh, Any Which... Any uh, Which Way But Loose. Yeah. yeah, which would have only been... Any Which f- Way But Loose in Space. Yeah. Why, why, yeah. why wasn't that sequel Greenlight? Yeah. Me and the Chimp. Me and the Chimp. Wow. He's looking it up now to well, try. I haven't made it up. Me and the Chimp YouTube, there you go. Oh, blimey. IMDB 3.4. Yeah, and that's for the Chimp. <laughs> so, yeah... Sanford and Son as well starts oh. in America, which was a remake of Steptoe and Son, a British sitcom of the 60s. And Episode synopsis, Liz seems to be allergic to buttons, capital B. Yeah, the chimp's called Buttons, not just allergic to buttons. Has to go around wearing Velcro for the rest of her life. But luckily being involved in the space race and Velcro being a byproduct of that. It bites itself really, doesn't yeah, it? I know, yeah. Sponsored by the Velcro Company. <laughs> Steve-O is showing us a picture of TV magazine front cover featuring me and the chimp. Yeah, the chimp looks great. I would be very interested if any of our US listeners, or anyone in the world really, if it was syndicated, uh, who's seen me and the chimp, if they could let us know their feelings about it, yeah. I think I'd be very interested in that. No one ever answers me when I ask questions about the 87th Precincts, but I bet you'll get responses about me and the chimp. Yeah, it's helping. <laughs> TV in the UK, apart from Van der Valk, we had the start of News Round. Oh, yeah. Which John is still, still going now, which is a children's uh, TV news programme. Emmerdale Farm, which is still oh. going now. And Mastermind, which is still going now. So yeah, some hell. classics oh, of the, yes. the TV of us growing up there, really. Emmerdale Farm. We're Emmerdale, going to Emmerdale, Emmerdale Farm. Emmerdale. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, God, that sounds, <laughs> sorry, that sounds like I'm down. winding down then. <laughs> dee, 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 dee. Do you want to do a bit of infrastructure guessing? Uh, Humber oh. Bridge. No. It's a motorway bit. Very famous bit of motorway. Uh, Fellwall Viaduct. No. Dartford Crossing. No. <laughs> I say famous, it's it's so, very close to the most famous The M62 Crossing. That interchange isn't the right word. Junction. A spaghetti Junction. It's the stretch of the M6 motorway opened between Spaghetti Junction and Junction 7. Wow. The final stretch of the M6. Oh. Very important spinal motorway, the M6. It is, yeah. That's yeah. true. So there you go, everyone. Yeah. Exciting story. Sleep. Rest <laughs> sleep tonight. That was interesting, everyone. It was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Nailed all those spot on. Yeah, it's almost as exciting <laughs> as the fact that the Watergate scandal basically happened in Oh, yeah, as a, as a minor footnote, yeah. Yeah, so we have some motorway opening and uh, you have Watergate. Mm. You. The, you. Yeah. <laughs> the Americans. So, yeah, of course, so that means leads to the resignation of Nixon Indeed. and the installation of uh, Gerald Ford. And also the official pardoning of Nixon yes. almost immediately so he wouldn't stand, you know, to be uh, charged with anything, stand trial. Interesting stuff. Hmm. The way that works, anyway. It's very hard to talk about politics in 1972, really, because there's so much going on, uh, which is quite depressing. Hmm. Like in the UK, the miners' strikes start in earnest. That sort of signals the start of a lot of industrial unrest, really, doesn't it? It yeah. runs yeah. for a few years. Mm. Yeah, until there's no more industry. Yeah, <laughs> basically. And the troubles in Northern Ireland start as well, so there's a lot of very horrible stuff going on with that. Mm-hmm. And you'd think that the Olympics of that year would be a shining <laughs> beacon for everything that was brilliant, but of course there's the... Um, the massacre in Munich, isn't there? There is, yeah. So it's a jolly year all around, 1972. Yeah. Mm. I'm sure some stuff was good. Possibly. Um, well, yeah. Slate Alive was pretty well, yeah, good. That was <laughs> the, the, the one thing pe- keeping people going. That's pretty much it. Carry On Abroad wasn't doing it. <laughs> no, maybe not. Anyway, yes, a couple of police things from the NYPD in 1972 that I found was... Uh, a depressing thing and something probably more positive in, there was a thing called the Harlem Mosque shooting in, in 1972 where an, a couple of officers got a, what they think is a fake 911 call to attend a, a mosque in Harlem and when they got there they were set upon by a bunch of people mm-hmm. and one of the officers was shot and killed and to this day no one has has been arrested for that, mm-hmm. for that crime mm-hmm. and there was all sorts of issues of uh, what police they sent to manage the situation? Did they not send enough people? Is it because of a sort of a race-religion thing going on as well? But that was quite a dramatic sort of thing in the history of the NYPD. Yeah. But also in 1972, there'd been so many police-related firearm incidents. The book we've just read, we didn't really talk <clears> about it, ends with a, one of the threads of the stories ends with a policeman having to draw his gun and kill someone. Mm. But there were so many in New York in 1972, like nearly a thousand police shooting-related incidents. Not deaths, necessarily, Mm. but that they brought in a thing called the... uh, I've got this right. The Firearms Discharge Review Board. 
review board, rather. I don't know why I said that in such a way, strange way. Mm. So that if you ever shot your gun, you had to go before a disciplinary panel, no matter what the reason. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so the number of shooting <clears throat> things dropped massively So because yeah. police weren't just drawing their guns for everything. Like shooting at moving cars. It was suddenly sort of encouraged to sort of say, this is a stupid idea. What are you going to do? What are you really going to do? Bureaucracy. But yeah, and so that's basically from about a thousand police shooting incidents in 1972, there's like less than a hundred today. You'd have hoped that would have just dropped straight off, but you know. Yeah. And it's small mercies, really. I guess so, yeah. There'd be fewer shooting incidents if there were fewer guns. This is also undoubtedly true. So, that was 1972 in in a nutshell. How exciting Mm. for that nutshell. We were talking about casting. Bob O'Brien. Oh, yeah. Casting Bob O'Brien. Sounds like a film, that, doesn't it? New on Netflix, casting Bob O'Brien. Bob O'Brien. Fishes on the high seas. Could be a fishing documentary. Very good. Cast off. Cast off with, Cast off with, with Bob, Bob O'Brien. Luckiest that could be this sequel. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a contribution there in the background from a, a cat called Sally. You might have just heard. Um, and if not, I'll, have, I'll cut this out. <laughs> yeah, but we, the thing with Bob O'Brien, we know he's one of the second stringers in, in terms of the stories, don't we? Mm. I mean, he features in a, a fair amount of things, but yeah. he's never a lead player, really. No, he gets his, his, his few moments in the spotlight, doesn't he? But uh... I always imagine him, if he was going to be in an 87th Precinct TV series, he'd be one of those characters who would probably be in every episode in some way. You'd see him. Mm. But he'd have some really good featured stories. Mm. And therefore, you'd need an actor that would really sort of... It'd be a joy to see when they get something. Or it doesn't feature in every episode, but so you can get a really interesting... Yeah. Someone to come in and do a few special episodes of this thing. Yeah. I did, of course, ask for suggestions from the beautiful people of the internet Mm. and got two. (laughs) And I think this is possibly because he's not a main character. People won't have spent that time thinking, I know what he's like, I know Mm. what I'd like him to be like. But our friend Stella, who said she wasn't, she said she wasn't great at this game. But she came up with Chris Pratt, hmm. who, in terms of his build, and I know he's sort of he's all sort of bulky now and and, and sleek in his yeah. Marvel guise yeah. as a in Jurassic World and what have you. Yeah, he's, I think he could have been a good call at one point. You know, thinking of him in sort of like series series. Three or four Parks and Rec kind yeah. of form, yeah. But not playing it as comic, obviously playing it as... Mm. You know, he's sort of got that look about him. How, how old is Bobby Brown? Do we get told this at any point? Because I was imagining him older, but I might yeah. have just missed the bit where it told me he was younger. I'm not sure. I didn't I didn't ponder too much on this because I think we've, we've ascertained <laughs> that I think he's, no matter what, you, I think you can get the age wrong. He's either first grade or second grade, isn't he? So I think he's reasonably. I think he's second grade. Must be reasonably. I have to check my little list. Senior, but he. I mean, Bob O'Brien's described as being six foot Mm. one and two hundred and ten pounds, which is fifteen stone for those of us who use those formats. Mm. And he's obviously from Irish extraction. Yeah, and he's got big hands. Yes, and if it helps, he's got twenty twenty vision. Well, that's that's absolutely (laughs) crucial, isn't it? From when you're casting, he needs. That was interesting when I was looking back for the first description of him. The fact that he had 20-20 vision was one of his 
you know, so he can see very clearly the people, powers. the people he has to shoot. Yeah, yeah. Keeps well, he's a, he's a missing person uh, specialist, so That's great eyesight would be good for, for finding them. Yeah, absolutely. But we had a, a suggestion from our friend on Twitter who goes by the, the name of Track E Sumisu, and that suggestion was for John Goodman. Oh, right. Who once upon a time, I think, would have fit that bill. Yeah. John Goodman's big rather than fat, I would say. He has been quite poor. Yeah, I'm I'm liking John Goodman. Big Lebowski era John Goodman, I think, would have been been a great Well, if you have a look at this picture I've got of of him here. um, Yeah. This is from a film called Burglar. Yeah. From 1987. Mm. And I've got an interesting fact about this. You'll like this, Steve-O. The film Burglar, in which he plays a police detective stars Whoopi Goldberg as a character called Bernice Bernie Rodenbar. Oh, right. So it's Maybe. based on a Lawrence Block story. Oh. oh. They're in the closet. Oh, yeah, Terrific. of course, yeah. So they planned to make it as a, with a, a male, a white male in the yeah. lead, but it ended up being Whoopi Goldberg playing Bernie Rodenbar. Oh, right. Amazing. Excellent. So I have to dig that out. It'd be quite interesting yeah, to see. Yeah, sounds fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got a couple of suggestions, but I want to open it up to uh, you guys. Really, see if you thought of anything. I've got one. One um, suggestion. John Ashton. Now, you might not remember him, but the, the bloke from Beverly Hills Cop. Ooh, the the grumpy uh, older guy uh, who's um, Judge Reinhold's uh, pal. He's a bit old now. But, but uh, once upon a time. Yeah. That's, that's is the thing. casting with all of these, really? Uh, yeah, quite often. But there but, he is um, in... Uh, yeah, it's a good face for it, I think. Yeah, 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 that's what I have in mind when Bob O'Brien crops up. All right. Somebody who looks a bit like that. Oh, interesting. Uh, my one thought was uh, John C. Riley. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Interesting. I, I kind of imagine him a bit like that. I think John C. Riley's probably of, of Irish extraction to some extent. He is six foot one. I yeah. checked. Um, no. um, and yeah, I don't John know. C. Riley is six foot one. Don't know why that surprises me, but for some reason it does. Well, there we go. Yeah, I don't know. I thought that was my idea anyway. Okay. Well, I had I had three ideas, mm. and uh, my first one is Brian Dennehy. Right. Yeah. 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 And I got to try and get my favourite picture of him here wearing a what looks like a football manager's coat. Yeah, that's oh. from uh, Rambo for First Blood. That. Yeah. That one. Smashing. He's almost exactly what I think of as Bob O'Brien. Perhaps you know. Oh, I also picture Bob O'Brien as being a bit sad permanently because yeah. <laughs> sort of like a natural tragedy haunts him. My sideways suggestion, I would say here, because is cast um, a woman in the role, and whether you called it Roberta, I don't care, Roberta O'Brien, whatever, change the name, but. I'd like someone. It's she's quite young, but if you've seen Fargo, you'll know Alison Tolman. Oh yeah, and I think she could do a great turn as a you know a sort of character cop that would have stuff in there. So that's my that's my Be interesting well, cast against the books type thing. Mm-hmm. She is great. And you see, you have the third. I have my third. This is my ace in the hole, <laughs> <laughs> and that is someone from one of my favourite TV shows because I'm a silly sausage which is Gotham and it's Donald Logue who basically is probably going to crop up for about four or five cops I would suggest him for because mm-hmm. he's he's just great mm. he is really good yeah, no, yeah. he looks uh, yeah. that's why I've got I put two pictures of him on my little pad here to show you because <laughs> I think he's great 
an old one when he was playing sort of lighter comedy and then one as yeah, he's got Harvey the, Bullock in yeah, the no. GCPD. Yeah, I know. He looks, uh, he, he looks as though he could... Yeah. And Gotham's finished now, so again, he'll be looking yeah. for work. Yeah, he will, I think yeah. That's a good call, actually, for for our practical casting purposes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say in those, it's a, a toss-up between uh, John Goodman and your last guy. And Donald Logue. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what do you think, Morgan? Perhaps Morgan should have the deciding uh, choice this time. And I, I, I did like your, your sort of uh, left-field suggestion as well. I think that, that's yeah. cool. And I think doing that with a character like Bob O'Brien wouldn't upset the purists too much. I guess we're the purists. It didn't it yeah. didn't upset me too much, <laughs> so that's good. Um, but yeah, I think of, of those options, like Donald Logue, I, I could could I could go for that. Yeah, I did toy with the idea that when we get round to casting Andy Parker, Donald Logue would be that. But I think he's too good, for, you know. Yeah, for, for that sort of role, I, I, I think I've, that needs a very specialised sort of person, Andy Parker. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, I think Donald Logue could make an impact as Bob O'Brien. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it, it, it's going to be a relatively small part, but I think he's, he's going to do good things with it. I think you can you can bump it up a little bit in the uh, yeah in the production of this mythical show. Excellent. Well, we solved that one then. Fantastic. Cool. So it's all falling into place. So we didn't get much of a listener response on deciding on who they think should have been Bob O'Brien. So I think we should go all out for a big cool. name next time. Right. I think we should step into the world of villains because the next book we're doing is Let's Hear It for the Deaf Man. <gasps> should we do it? Should we cast the Deaf Man? <laughs> We've had three books so far. I suppose we, yeah, because then we, yeah, oh, yes, well, why not? Definitely. Why not? Yeah, so we this, have to dive in there at some point, aren't we? So yeah. let's, let's get it done. Another thing was obviously Bob O'Brien's never featured in any adaptations, ah. so I've got no precedent for that. Mm. There's been a few deaf men, yeah. deaf mans. So we'll be able to have a look at the, the precedents for that. But uh, I think this one could, I think this one could blow up. Oh, let's hope so. Anyway, mm. <laughs> there we go. I think we've covered everything, absolutely everything. And now I think we're going to say goodbye, and then we're going to play with Steve-O's cats for a little bit <laughs> because they're very soft and very nice. <laughs> so I'm going to say goodbye. Goodbye. Fairly well. <laughs> <laughs>